And one of the images that's so beautiful about loving, the loving-kindness practice is that it's uh, envisioned as a, um, a stone that's dropped in a clear pool and it ra- begins to radiate out in all directions in our lives. And so we start with really getting in touch with that fundamental heart energy within ourselves, that kindness that's directed towards this life that's, that's um, showing up in, in our experience, uh, directing kindness to our own experience, as then we are able to offer it without condition to our benefactors, our dear friends, the people that we may not know very well in the world, the neutral people, the people that we see in passing but don't know the details of. And today we will also expand to the people that we are having difficulty with, the people that uh, we would like not to be around, um, the unpleasantness of these relationships, because really the intention of kindness is unconditional. It really has nothing to do with our preferences. It really has nothing to do with whether we like someone or don't like someone. What it does have to do with is that we recognize in that moment the true nature of our experience, which is our deep humanity. You know, that even though we may have differences and conflicts and even injuries or traumas that separate us, that we are still connected within the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows. And so as we, as we open to the difficult people in our lives, what I love about this practice is that it doesn't encourage you to choose the most difficult person that you've had a conflict with, right? It's not about overwhelming your experience or it's not about being perfect and going to that most difficult person and seeing if you can white knuckle your way through to opening your heart to them. So really it's just to start with a person that you may have a small difficulty with just to, just to feel your way into the practice. It also may be to choose a difficult aspect of your own self. That's possible. And really to reflect that kindness so that as we are able to sit with our own difficulties, the places that we're not that comfortable with, we can develop the skills and the capacity to be with those people that reflect those difficulties right back to us. So either way is possible, but really the invitation is to start incrementally, just like any of these practices have been offered. And really to hold the practice itself with kindness. Hold the loving kindness practice itself. And so one of the contemplations around, um, you know, as you bring this practice into the world, as you actually apply it 
in the, um, in the everyday experience. One of the contemplations that I, I often um, uh, reflect on and, and it supports me is, is that, can I be loving and unconditional in this moment to whatever is arising? <coughs> and if I can't be loving in this moment, can I be kind? And if I can't be kind in this moment, can I not cause harm? And if I cannot not cause harm, can I cause the least harm possible? So this is the intention. No matter how you know, imperfect I am, I still have that intention of non-harming. And that's what will, you know, that's the rudder that will, will guide me into living the life that I really see for myself, that I really see um, that leads to freedom, greater freedom in my life. One of the practices, and this is a variation of of the loving-kindness practice for a difficult person is when you're in conflict with someone, um, when, you're, when there's anger or when there's irritation, um, one of the suggestions is to give them a gift and see what happens. You know, the, the act of generosity is an act of loving-kindness. It's not about giving a gift. It's not about giving a gift conditionally to, to see what happens. You know, if I give you a gift, maybe you'll be nicer to me. But to give a gift, you know, physically is really the metaphorical opening of what is there beyond this conflict. So one of the, um, one of the difficult relationships in my life um, has been my partner's ex-wife. Um, and it's a complicated relationship, of course. <laughs> there are two children involved, too. <laughs> and Stephen was married for 28 years. So, you know, there's history that needs to be respected and honored, and there's some difficulty there. And it, for the first number of years that, that um, Stephen and I were in partnership, um, it was hard because there were family gatherings that we had to get together with and it was just not pleasant. And, um, and we went on a trip near in, at, uh, in between Thanksgiving and Christmas one year and you know, there was this spontaneous thought, you know, we need to get Barbara a Christmas present. You know, there was actually no reason to give her a Christmas present other than there was this thought <laughs> Oh, the Buddha said, you know, be generous when you don't feel like being generous and see what happens. Mm. And, you know, I don't, I don't pretend to say that that was the one event that changed the relationship, but we're much more comfortable together now. And um, there's some affection that has grown over the last eight or ten years that that, you know, this, this sense of, um, uh, you know, that we not only share grandchildren, but uh, there's other things that we share, some interests. And, 
And so really to, this is the, this is the invitation to um, open the practice of loving kindness to the difficult people in your lives, to see if there's a possibility of change beyond what we think the relationship should be. And so what we'll do is, again, we'll start with a practice and direct it towards ourselves, and then we'll open to um, you know, a person that you may choose, um, again, not necessarily to choose the most difficult person. We'll expand that to just balance that energy out to extend um, uh, to uh, loving kindness to our community and, and other beings. And then we'll have a chance for uh, a few questions and answers and comments about the practice. So really find a um, posture and a position that you feel comfortable and yet alert. feeling the body as it is and allowing it to be completely what it needs to be without needing it to be any different. Meeting your own experience with kindness. And as you allow the awareness to rest in the breath, Allow the breath to move through your heart space. Allowing the inhale to expand and stretch that space. Allowing the exhale to soften and relax. And as you stay connected with the breath, feeling the softness that's inherent in this energy of breath, feeding the energy of your heart, allow the image of yourself to arise in your heart space, holding yourself tenderly And just offering well wishes to your own experience. You may use these words or whatever phrases that resonate with you the most. May I have happiness in this life.
May I be free from pain. May I be safe and protected. May I live with ease and well-being. May I be healthy and strong And in this life, may I find freedom. Feeling the intentions behind the phrases. using whatever words or phrases that manifest those intentions for you.
May I be happy. May I be free from pain. May I be safe and protected. May I live with ease and well-being. May I have health and strength as much as I can. And may I be free. Filling your heart space with loving kindness, with gentleness, directed towards your own life and experience. Offering it to yourself so that you can offer it to others. You cannot offer others that that which you do not have. allowing the gentle rain of loving kindness to shower over your experience. And as you stay connected with the breath, breathing into the heart space, expanding, Allowing the out-breath to gently soften and relax. Allow the image of a person who's given you some difficulty to arise in your consciousness. It may not feel safe to actually bring this image of this person into your heart space. So allow whatever distance you need. This isn't about crossing boundaries that are healthy. This is about recognizing the humanity of this being too, despite difficulty. So allowing whatever distance or space that's appropriate and holding that image of this person with whom you have a conflict or injury with kindness with the intentions of metta. May you too find happiness in this life.
may you too be free from pain. May you be safe and protected from harm and danger. May you live with ease and well-being. May you be healthy and strong. And may you too find freedom in this life. It may be that more comfortable to use different words or phrases for your difficult person. Use whatever allows the heart to open, to offer well wishes of kindness. And the awareness of this person's humanity. That they too experience the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows. That they too are on a path that they would like to lead to happiness. It may be a different path than yours. Feeling for yourselves how to offer these intentions of metta.
And if you find that your awareness has wandered away from the practice, it's not a problem. Just gently guiding your mindfulness back to the breath through the heart space, the intentions of the phrases, And if you feel that the intentions towards the difficult person are actually creating distress or the opposite of loving kindness, see if it's possible to simply allow that experience to be. feeling it in the body, feeling it in your heart. And if it feels overwhelming in any way, the encouragement and the invitation is really to return the practice towards yourself. In spite of our difficulties and conflicts, may you too find happiness in this life.
May you too be free from pain. May you be safe and protected. May you live with ease and well-being. May you be healthy and strong. And despite our differences, I wish you freedom. feeling how it is in the heart space for you in this moment. Allowing the image of your difficult person just acknowledging them and allowing that image to fade, returning to the image of yourself in your heart space. That image of yourself is always in your heart, whether we remember it or not. Allowing the energy of breath to fill the energy of your heart feeling the softness, the wishes of happiness, safety, ease, health, and freedom. Allow that energy to flow unconditionally, overflowing the space of your heart into this room, offering loving kindness and well wishes to each person in this community. May we all be happy in this life. May may we all be free from pain. May we all be safe and protected.
May we all live with ease and well-being. May we all have health and strength to the best of our abilities. And may we all find freedom. Feel the power of our collective intentions together. The collective meeting of each of our hearts. Feel that energy fill this room And allow that energy to flow onto the land. Touching all the beings surrounding us. All the beings in the air, on the ground, in the waters. As has been said, during this retreat before, the practice of metta is like a gentle rain that falls indiscriminately on all beings. Feel for yourself how it is to extend the intentions in every direction. allowing the energy from this room to roll over the land and cover the globe with gentleness. May all beings find happiness. May all beings be free from pain. May all beings be safe and protected. (coughs) May all beings live with ease and well-being. May all beings have health and strength.
and may all beings in all worlds, in all directions, find freedom. So again, to emphasize that we're not trying to create anything in particular with the practice, just to notice what arises. And for some, the phrases are rather repetitive and monochromatic. For some people, it actually brings up very opposite feelings, uh, opposite from loving kindness. So um, really just to allow all of that into your experience. So are there any questions or you know, just explorations around turning the practice towards um, the difficult person in our life, please? Mm. Mm. I did say that. So then it's not really the person that we're responding to, it's more of the archetype. So not to get too conceptual, but for me, how I language it is that the categories um, are archetypes. I actually choose specific people because it makes the practice real. Sometimes the, the art, if, if I just talk about a difficult person, um, I don't actually feel um, the, you know, the impact of the difficulty. So I, I do select specific people or that specific aspect of my own self that's difficult. And, um, you know, and this, this practice isn't quite so clean. You know, because sometimes as you bring your practice into your life, um, you'll find that some of the people that you most dearly love can be your difficult person sometimes. And it's, it's you know, so the practice can support deepening that, that relationship as well. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
wondering if the gift is about them, is it about me? Like, I, I've been wanting to send a gift, but I, I, I want to send it anonymously. Hmm. I don't want it to resurrect the relationship. I, I want it in a way, I guess, to finish the Right. 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 And so she's she's saying that um, uh, her difficult person is a difficult person that she's not in relationship with an, anymore. And what I'm hearing you comment on is is that there's some closure or there's some letting go that still has yet to occur. And um, you know this practice may support that in terms of, of um, loosening some of the subtle attachments we still have in our unresolved relationships. Um, and that um, there's just the relationships, because they are dynamic, they are living experiences, have this ebb and flow to them. Just like every, um, everything in our lives, the pulse, you know, the heartbeat, there's, a, there's an ebb and flow. And so um, we have this intention to let go, perhaps, you know, we haven't actually talked about the forgiveness practice, but, but um, you know, this process of letting go of, of hurt and injury or conflict, it's never just one linear process. You know, we, we go through something and then it resurrects itself, you know, even if it's through a memory. And, but it, it's not exactly the same as it was. So there's an ebb and the, a flow. And, you know, just for your, your practice to be with it as, it as it goes along. And one of, and we know that one of the most healing aspects of our experience is time. And, you know, it's supported by our patients, but this process often takes so much longer than we would like. And if we can be with that, it, it actually helps us be, stay open. Please. I was wondering, is it important to send metta to one individual difficult person? Because I can't really think of any particular person in my life that's difficult. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of send to a large body of people. A group. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's true, and you know, if I'm sorry. oh yes, so her her question was no single person came to mind, but. A group of people quickly did in, in terms of a, a political affiliation. And, um, and I think that's actually really skillful because, you know, what you're working, you, what you're, what you're, um, uh, you're, not, you're not looking for a difficulty or an injury. We're not looking to reopen wounds. It's that if there's a difficulty that's in front of us, we, we pay attention. And if it happens to be a group, yeah, yeah. Chant. Um, with loving kindness meditation, 
is it if I get distracted sometimes, mm. whether it's like a physical pain in my body or a sound or a strong emotion, I often find I don't know what to do. I mean, because if it's breathing meditation, then I simply just focus on that. Yes. But with loving kindness meditation, I find if I focus on it, then the whole emotionality of the meditation is gone and I'm just caught up in the frustration or the pain in my ear. So. If I ignore it, sorry. Yeah. If I ignore it, then it feels like I'm kind of repressing something. Uh, so what I want to hear you saying is, is that when you're distracted from the loving-kindness meditation, it's unclear as to what to return to. Is that right? Because some of the emotional quality through the distraction has been lost. Yeah, it was just with, with the distraction, should I focus on the distraction and make that an object of meditation like I would in the breathing meditation? Mm. Or should I just simply ignore it? So, uh, the, um, should, should you focus on the distraction as it comes up, or should, should he ignore it? And um, the, the loving-kindness meditation is, is not unlike the breath in that it's a concentration meditation. And so that's why we actually have phrases um, to come back to. And the key is not to... Um, beat yourself up on the way back to the phrases. Um, but to actually, in every moment, be approaching it with an attitude of, of gentleness. So there's no judgment if the mind gets distracted. Um, and it may happen particularly with you know, a neutral or, or a difficult person. Um, but really just to bring yourself back to the intentions of of your phrases over and over again. Um, uh, I often say that in, um, when I was getting, when I was feeling myself into the practice, one of the best places that I um, did this practice was on public transportation. Because I had so many judgments about the people that you know, I was traveling with, about what they were wearing or what they were doing or how loud they were. And you know, Gradually, I realized it's not, not really about them. It's, it's the conditioning of as soon as I got on the bus, the mind started. And what would it be like for the mind to start in a different way? So, you know, it's just, I, what, I, you know, I can't say that I was feeling the phrases every time I was on the bus, but it was really a good practice because... Um, uh, any concentration actually secludes the mind from the hindrances, the aversion, the, the, the wanting of things to be other than they are, and allows me to just stay in that present moment. Please. I use the same person that I use as a benefactor and mm-hmm. a difficult person, mm-hmm. a difficult aspect of that person. Mm-hmm. Is that okay, or am I cheating myself of the true experience? You know, it's whatever opens you up into the... Oh, the question is, thank you <laughs> for being my mindfulness. <laughs> so the question is, is that she was using a portion of her benefactor, actually, as a difficult person. And, you know, I would say it's, it's, it's fine to use whatever allows you to open into this practice while you're in this retreat. You will, as you, as you 
um, um, as you incorporate this practice into your daily practice or weekly practice or your sitting practice, um, there will be innumerable opportunities to select lots of different people that come up. So whatever is, is, is calling you right now, whoever is calling you right now, I would say, you know, allow the attention to rest there. So she had um, a wa- two waves of, of temperature changes, heat that, that came through um, the well wishes to the, her mother-in-laws and, and, and the all beings part. And really, um, you know, the, the invitation is really to notice that. Um, the overwhelming part may, there may be some emotions underneath that. You know, and so I'm projecting right now, but is there some fear? Is there some fear of, of offering kindness in this way? Or, and really just, you know, if there's some space to just, just reflect on that or sit with that. Um, but I, in my experience, there's nothing physically harmful in this practice. There, it won't kill you. <laughs> It might. It might. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we never know. Yeah, what a way to go. That's, that's true. What a way to go. Um, and I just really want to acknowledge that it's hard. You know, it's... What I, what I love about, um, you know, these practices in the Dharma is that there's a path towards this unconditional experience that every wisdom tradition has, you know, this unconditional space of regard or love. And it's just that in other journeys, I haven't found such a delineated way of cultivating the heart to get there. And that's, you know, and the cultivation tends to be really difficult because we've been conditioned in in such a way. Um, I just, I'm just aware of the time, but... um, I love this passage from Toni Morrison in, in her book, Paradise, because it, it speaks about love and it speaks about the difficulty of it. Let me tell you about love, that silly word you believe, whether, it's like somebody, whether you like somebody or whether somebody likes you, 
or whether you can put up with somebody in order to get something or some place you want, or you believe it has to do with how your body responds to another body, like robins or bisons. Or maybe you believe love is, is how forces of nature or luck is benign to you in particular, not maiming or killing you, but if doing so, it would be for your own good. Love is none of that. There is nothing in nature like it, not in robins or bison or in the banging tails of your hunting dogs, not in the blossoms or suckling fowl. Love is divine only and difficult always. If you think it is easy, you are a fool. If you think it is natural, you are blind. It is a learned application without reason or motive except that it is God. You do not not deserve love regardless of the suffering you have endured. You do not deserve love because someone did you wrong. You do not deserve love just because you want it. You can only earn by practice and contemplation the right to express it, and you have to learn how to accept it. Which is to say that you have to earn God. You have to practice God. You have to think God carefully. And if you are a good, diligent student, you may secure the right to show love. Love is not a gift. It is a diploma. A diploma conferring certain privileges of expressing love and the privilege of receiving it. How do you know you've graduated? You don't. What you do know is that you are human and therefore educatable and therefore capable of learning how to learn, therefore interesting to God, who is interested only in himself, which is to say he is only interested in love. May you have much loving kindness in your practice for the remainder of the retreat. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.